Okay, we are live. We are, we live. are live. Here we are. Good morning. Good morning. I have uh, my Franz Joseph Raunch multivitamin juice here. Can you tell me what's in, that? what's in the juice, please? It's all in German. That was a really, really hard question. <laughs> uh, orange. It's carrots in. Clearly, it's got carrots and orange in that. Mango, banana. Yeah, apples, maybe. <laughs> anyway, we, we digress. We've already got off on a weird tangent, which is good. <laughs> right? um, I, to everyone who's watching this, thank you ever so much for joining. I'm joined by the incredible Hannah Walters uh, here. So good morning, Hannah. Good morning. On World Mental Health Day, we're very, uh, a very bright and smiley start to, to the yeah, day. How are you today. feeling today, Chris? Let's ask. Let me ask you that question on um, World Health Mental Health Day. How are you feeling today? That's a very good question. Today, I feel uh, mentally very, very well. I'm optimistic. Physically, I'm a little bit jaded. It was a, it was a long day yesterday, um, but yeah, I'm good. And what about yourself? I'm good. I've had a little meditation this morning. I tend to find that if I just have a little meditation first thing in the morning, it kind of sets me up. It's like pressing the restart button every morning. And some mornings I just don't have the time. And I can kind of tell when I've not done it. I can kind of feel it by about 11 o'clock. I'm just feeling a little bit out of balance. So I just need to take a few minutes. It really works for me that just it's like a little reset. So I've done that this morning. Lots to do, so I've got that thought in the back of my head, but it's a beautiful day, and uh, yeah, feeling good today, feeling good. Good. And then meditation, talk to me. I mean, already, like, the, the questions, um, the, the brilliant Emmy Semi has already taken a, a sidestep, but meditation, right, is, what does that look like for you in terms of your time scales and how how you meditate is is this guided or is this something you do off your own back? Oh, no, so I mean you can get lots and lots of guided meditations. I've actually given them to my when my children were doing their exams. I kind of tried to get them through a few stressful situations by giving them. Um, there's different apps that you can get, isn't there? There's Mind. There's all these different ones that you can get that help with meditation and just calmingness. Um, but I do something called silent meditation which for me, when I went on the course, brought to the surface the fact that I, how much I actually talk, but not just talk externally, but talk internally. So like mind, just mind chatter, I think. So this is the reason that I went on yeah. the course in the first place is because I didn't have the capacity to be able to tell my mind to shut up when it needed to shut up. It didn't have an off button. So I would be one of these people that would go to bed and just be making lists and going through all these different scenarios in my head that wasn't didn't serve any purpose when I was trying to go to sleep. So I decided to go to a silent retreat for four days. Um, and yeah, it's uh, like I say, it certainly brought to surface the fact that I realized that I narrate everything that I say verbally out loud. So I did this retreat. It was beautiful. And since I've done the retreat, it kind of reprogrammed me in the sense that I, I'm incapable of the mind chatter now. So it, it, it'll creep in and then all of a sudden it'll very quickly go back out again. And it's just because of, of that resetting every morning that I do from meditation. It's almost like it's almost like having a board with lots of things that you write on it. And then you get in a big, big wiper, just wiping it all off and going, okay, and we're off again. Here we go. 
That's amazing. And so this 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 retreat was it a retreat where you just didn't speak at all for four whole days. You had like an hour or two um, communal time where you could speak, but it was actually funny because after you'd been silent for so long, wanting to speak came quite was felt quite negative like you didn't want to speak because it felt so nice that you were sat in that silence so then speaking to break out of that complete feeling of balance and and that complete feeling of being in a, a such a serene serene kind of place felt a bit odd yeah when I came home I, for a good couple of days when I came home um my husband and my kids kept just saying you 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 are all right aren't you mum I was like I'm fine just because I was quiet <laughs> people aren't used to me being quiet it's when they say oh tell, tell us about your trip and you're just going there's nothing to say let's <laughs> be really mysterious <laughs> trying to be really mysterious yeah. <laughs> but it serves me well and I love it and it and it sorts me out it's my daily thing sometimes I could do it for 20 minutes if I've got the time sometimes I'll do it for five minutes like I say it's just a quick restart reset to the day and it's really 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 important for me i'm a great believer in breathing finding your breath i mean there is a scene in boiling point that where i tell one of the chefs to breathe and that was a natural thing for me to say because i very often say it to people when i can see that they're very stressed out i will just say just please do me a favor and just breathe for a minute because when you're not breathing you get that anxiety I think that you are suffocating, you're suffocating yourself. So you need to just take those big, long, deep breaths to get that oxygen running through your body and through your brain. And it does start to feel like you're running again on, on a better capacity than you were before. When you're doing that shallow breath, that ang anxious kind of breath, it's, um, it's biological, isn't it? It's going to make you feel anxious. So by just breathing mm. and getting that breath right down, I find that it just, it really gives you that sense of calm. And I do it very often in the day. If I can feel myself brewing or if I'm going to go on set a little bit anxious or a little bit nervous, I'll just do those really deep breaths. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, take some deep breaths, but it physically, anatomically works to take the deep breaths, I find, personally. No, you, I mean, you're, you're completely correct. We work with an incredible breath, uh, a breath coach who's an ex-chef. Ex um, so shout out to, to Jasper Wellbeing. Um, Shane taught me about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system and how breathing can activate into quieting down those nervous systems. And these are things that you're born with. You know, we're, we're never taught to breathe. We consider it just a, a biological thing or physiological thing that we do naturally. But actually, there's so much power in being taught properly how to breathe and the power of breath work. It's uh, you know, there's still people out there who think it's voodoo and who think it's magic, but actually it really it's, does work. It's biologically, it's science. If you breathe properly, you feel better. If you don't breathe, you bring on all sorts of uh, biological and physical um, symptoms that are not nice. So breathe mm. is my advice. Keep breathing and breathe deep. This is very holistic. We are enjoying this, uh, this this natural ebb and flow of the conversation already. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely love um, Boiling Point. I love the uh, portrayal of the characters and um, some of the topics that are discussed uh, throughout the series are, you know, bringing a lot of decent conversations to light. But I'm interested from your, your own perspective is, 
What previous experience did you have of hospitality before playing the role of Emily within Boiling Point? Yeah, I had, when I was younger, um, my mum was um, a single parent. We lost my father when I was very young, so she worked very, very hard. And when I was of working age and back, you know, in the 80s, you could start work when you were 12 and doing little jobs here and there. I got jobs in kitchen, so I was a KP, started a job in a hotel that was in our local town as a KP. Um, and then I worked my way into the kitchen through the years. I was very young. I'm talking 14, 15 when I was in the kitchen and I was just veg prep. That was my kind of job to do that veg prep. I do remember one day um, the chefs leaving. So we'd done the, the morning service and they'd left for their break, but I was to stay late and they said, there's going to be a delivery. All I need you to do is when it gets delivered is just put it in that pot I was like thinking, okay, so it's going to be some veg or something like that. And the delivery came and then it landed on the table. And uh, I opened the delivery that was making a slightly funny noise. And I thought, what, what is that? And I opened it and it was lobsters. And I was the age of 14 and they expected me at the age of 14 on my own to put this you know, to do exactly what you need to do to a lobster at that, you know, in its cooking process. And uh, yeah, I remember being very upset at that and um, then finding it hilarious. So um, yeah, I've had lots of experiences. I've been in front of house as well. I've been a waitress, I've been bartending. I've had lots of experience growing up. Um, yeah, not for very long periods, short periods of time, but um, yeah, in and out of the kitchens, I'd say. Yeah. Yes. And from your from your memories of working in hospitality then, what were some of the, the, the highlights of, of, of working in those environments for you? Uh, the laughter, the camaraderie, the the family, the the feeling that, I mean, even though I gave you that very negative um, story about the lobster, the feeling that people have got your back, that we're looking after you. Everybody kind of looks after each other. It's, that, it's a very much a family environment um it's intense but with that comes um support i feel i felt very yeah even in the small glimpses that i got i felt very supported not at the lobster moment i didn't feel very supported but apart from that other times mm -hmm. i felt very supported um yeah I, a lovely environment to work in a lovely environment to work in yeah, a stressful one is there <laughs> yeah which we will come on to i mean i think um there's something that certainly your character emily um during that is uh is pivotal in terms of actually helping the team with, with their stress whilst also trying to manage you know the stress of you know that character's life as well and, and the stuff that emily was going through but i mean after after being on boiling point how was your perception of the hospitality industry changed or has it changed i think it has changed because like i say when i was younger i was in and out so i wasn't in a kitchen for long periods of time um doing the doing the film and then doing the tv series i didn't realize the consequence the consequences of logistical things within the kitchen in the essence of um 
people not coming to work, how that can affect everybody during the day. Um, and we have a storyline in Boiling Point about frozen meat. When that was discussed in the writer's room, I was like, really? That's that dramatic, is it, frozen? And they were like, oh, yes, Hannah. Honestly, that that's like, you know, it's hugely, hugely affects the kitchen if you're bringing in frozen meat. I didn't realise these little things that we don't see as customers and as people that don't work in that industry have such a massive effect on a kitchen and not just physically, but in an emotive kind of way as well, because it affects people because in hospitality, it's hospitality. You're being hospitable. You want to do your best for people. If you're not given the tools to do your best, then that falls on you as the worker. You feel quite responsible for that. So that's like pressure on pressure on pressure. And I was not aware of that. So I think by doing the TV series, it's brought to light lots of issues, logistical issues that I wouldn't have even have thought about. And I think nobody would. You know, we, you know, we're very blessed, aren't we, to sit and have beautiful food brought to us by beautiful people, cooked by beautiful chefs. We don't know how hard that day's been, not necessarily for the person themselves in regards to their life, but in logistic sense, the cooker doesn't work. Somebody's not turned up for work. Um, somebody's got an issue that everybody's trying to deal with in the kitchen. Frozen meat, uh, things being, you know, I don't know. There are all these different things can pile up and become so uber stressful, I should imagine. Well, this is from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the it's the mismatch of resource versus demands. And, you know, you've got you've got it coming from the backside where you've got things coming through the door and you've got the internal pressures, but then you've also got the customer demands as well. And if you get a table of you know, 30 or 20 or 15 walking through the door that haven't pre-booked or they, you're not aware they're coming, then it's our job to say, yes, we'll, yeah. we'll fix that. We'll make, we'll make sure this experience is seamless for you. But in the background, it's all of that juggling that has to go on in order to, to ensure that person can eat and drink. Um, as they're meant to so it's a lot it's, uh, of pressure, isn't that's a lot of pressure on on human beings to feel as human beings we want to please right we want mm -hmm. to we want to make people happy you'd like to think the majority of people want to please people and make people happy not to just you know not to make themselves feel good but to make that person feel good i'm a great believer in that but that's, you know, that's so hard, isn't it? Because of all, look, everything that you've just said, but having put that on you and the pressure of wanting to deliver that and make somebody happy is just huge. It's, that's huge. That's a big responsibility to have on your shoulders. It is. I often liken it to, um, like an Olympic sport, right? You wouldn't expect an Olympian to do a 200-meter dash and then to do all their life admin at the end of the race, take a shot of espresso, have a quick cigarette, slice a pizza, and then do the dash again while they're yeah. on the phone to their, you know, to their family trying to sort out That's a really good analogy. You know? That's right, though, isn't it? It's it's in yeah, it's so intense day after day after day. My goodness, it makes me want to take a deep breath just talking about it. Yeah, it is, you know, but it's not distracting from the fact that within those environments, you create some really strong bonds and some really um, unique experiences. It's um, it's a fantastic profession to be in. Um, one way you can travel the world and do, learn some incredible skills as well, some life skills that can take you to, to a great deal of personal development. But 
In terms of sort of life skills and personal experience, how much of um, Emily was drawn on sort of your own personal experience? Did you have to pull upon much? Yeah, I think um, Emily, a lot of people would say that um, Emily, I'm very, me and Emily are very, very similar. I think she's possibly the closest character that I've played to myself throughout my career to date mm. in the sense that um, I am very much a maternal figure and very um, all-encompassing when it comes to trying to look after people. Um, my house at home is the local um, youth centre, shall we say. There's always there's an open-door policy at my house and very often you just see, you know, a teenager at my fridge helping themselves, shouting, all right, Hannah. Um, I've got this very welcoming feeling, you know, just attitude to people. And I think I've took that to em with Emily as well. But Emily's, Emily's is a little bit of a facade, shall we say, and she puts on the brave face and to the detriment of, of herself, really, that she's trying to look after everybody else. That's her, that's her love language is looking after people um, whilst trying to really deeply look after herself, having demons. Um, mm -hmm. I've learned over the years as Hannah to find that balance of being there for people, but stepping back when I need to step back and really thinking about myself in situations, not in a selfless way, in a very self-loving way in order to be able to, in order to be able to help other people, I have to be in a good place myself. That's what I think mm -hmm. it is. Um, so yeah, me and Emily, very maternal, very paternal, um, and yeah, just we'll do anything for anyone, I think. And with the anchors, you know, we're, we're very grounded people, both of us together. I think that yeah. I think that similarities very much so. I think I've got, yeah, very patient, although my children will probably say that's absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the washing's not been done, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that is same um i think it's the same in all families though isn't it it's a matter of a matter of perspective when it comes down to those those, those sort of areas of patience but i think um from the portrayal of, of emily she is an incredible matriarch and you know when you and i met i was saying to you how my experience especially of pastry chefs is that you know they're the the go-to individual in the kitchen where you know you can get a slice of cake, a sandwich, and a and a hot drink. Um, you know, usually think, a good cuddle as well. Do you think it's because of the mindful? I mean, every chef is mindful, but I think there's something about pastry chefs that they are this real mindfulness in what they have to do and that creativity and that uh, that there's not. I mean, I'm probably going to get lots of pastry chefs that say, "No, Hannah, that's not right." But there's not that same time constraint as a as somebody that's on the pass, that somebody is a, that's the sous or the head or on the grill or whatever. Because with with the pastry chef, there's a lot of prep, there's a lot of pre prep, and you know, it's it's kind of a mindful job to do. It's very peaceful. It's very mindful. So I think they have that nice mindfulness about them lots of pastry chefs where they're very in a very nice balanced kind of way possibly yeah. maybe yeah yeah it, it perhaps it is that different demographic i mean there's um one of a, a good friend of mine and she was an incredible pastry chef and 
I always remember her being in a completely separate room to the rest of the kitchen. You know, the pastry was done separately. So you were almost, you were aware of what's going on, but you were in that sort of separate environment. So perhaps it does set a different pace. Perhaps it does, you know, give you an opportunity to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more aware, maybe. Yeah, aware, um, right. I think you you do get that in a lot of kitchens, don't you? That the the pastry is, is separate. So I think you're not at the same pace as everybody else. So it is a different. It's almost like when you go to the pastry section. I'm talking about breathing again, but when you go to the pastry section, you go, ah, I can breathe just for a moment, and then you step out again into into the different environment. You're right. It's all about energies, isn't it? I think, and there's a different energy. When it comes to that yeah definitely definitely so i mean how pivotal as um is an individual like that within the kitchen environment do you think that the kitchen environment has to have someone who is the matriarch and who is empathic in order for it to to run successfully i think in life and in any working situation you need an anchor right you need somebody that's rooted you need somebody that you can go to to have that those conversations that you might feel you can't have conversations with other people you need that earthy individual within any kind of working environment i think you'll always have that one person we we take roles don't we as individuals um and i think in a working certainly everywhere that i've always worked and i've worked in factories and all sorts of places you know even though you're on a production line if when you get into the the staff room the, the staff and you're having your lunch there's always that one person that people gravitate towards if they've got an issue or if they've got a problem so i think it's it's just par for the course of a working environment that you just have that one person that it's just a natural thing for them to do so if they're doing it naturally the people around them will gravitate towards them naturally. It's not something, I don't think it's something that that is that you can try and do. I think it's just instinctively, it comes naturally for some people to have that capacity to just make people feel safe and, and mediate. You've got to have a mediator. No matter where you are, you've got to have a mediator. Even when the mediator loses their call, um, which happens a few times in Boiling Point with uh, Emily and Bolton, because he winds her up. Um, that you've got to have that. <laughs> you've got to have a mediator. I think it's important to have that in any environment. It's the same in a family, though, isn't it? And that's what it is. It's a working family. Your family at home, you've got a mediator, or you've got that person that's the the safe person or the grounded person. That's home, but at work is a family as well. So therefore, you're going to have that same matriarch or that same paternal maternal kind of um, influence. Yeah, and the antagonist, as you say, is such as Bolton. There's always a wind-up <laughs> merchant. There is always a wind-up merchant, but I think, yeah, but the, that's 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 energies, and that's it's wonderful because everyone's different. That's what's so lovely, and especially in the kitchen environment, you know, you'll back me up. You get so many different people, and that's a wonderful thing about working in in a kitchen or in front of a house. You get so many people from so many different walks of life. You learn so much about other people. And you, you you create friendships for life. Some, you know, but you could be working with somebody for six months and, not, and then, you know, for whatever reason, you go your way, they go their way. But because you've spent that time together, you kind of stay in touch and you, you have friendships. Um, it's connecting with people. And you get the chance when you're working in hospitality to connect with 
a whole range of people. And I think that's so wonderful to be able to do that. Mm, yeah. I mean, this um, this conference that I'm at currently in, in Berlin is it's amazing to be surrounded by so many expressive and creative individuals. You know, there's such a diverse range of incredible human beings all in one spot. And, you know, there's a there's a there's a, a buzz, there's a confidence, there's um, you know, you wouldn't perhaps get this in uh, a lawyer's office, you know, if you went to a conference, you wouldn't get people covered in tattoos or wearing different clothing or, you know, this just it's just amazing i think that's one of the great things about hospitality is you're surrounded by so many and it's just cool creative you're you're creatives in hospitality you're creative you're expressive that's why there's lots of big personalities that's the part of it yeah. it's it's that creative aspect you know you the artistry behind you know chefs and, and what they do is mind-blowing um and i think with that creativity you get all of those different people from different walks of life and like you say human beings can be wonderful mm. so on that note then so obviously with regards to you know certainly kitchen and, and front of house life you do create some really really strong bonds where you you feel that you should be able to talk to anyone about anything but there's there's boiling points and a very a very good job in raising awareness for the fact that actually even with some really close relationships there are some certain topics People just can't, and and um, there's some quite severe, challenging issues are covered within boiling point. So, how has that been in terms of, of peeling back those layers and sort of addressing some of those those particular conversations? I mean, we touched on the film. In the film, we touched on various different um, issues within the film, and then when we were luckily given the tv series and the option to do the tv series philip and james and stephen who create it together um just felt it was the perfect opportunity to be able to as you say peel peel back those layers and really bring to the forefront some issues that need to be brought you know um issues such as mental health issues such as addiction self-harm um, so it was very, very important to us to be able to show that, but show it very, very realistically and a, a duty of care really to be able to, to show that correctly as it were. Mm -hmm. We've got all these wonderful characters now and we could really open, open, uh, their worlds and dive into them. And I think, uh, you know, as people that make drama, I think to be able to, hold a mirror up to society and show people, let people have a look at things that they would maybe find uncomfortable, but make it so super real that they can connect with it is so important for us. It's so important for us. Um, and I think we, I think I like to hope and the feedback that we're getting is just incredible that we've really, really shown that. We wanted to show slices of life. We wanted to show reality. And a working kitchen, like we've just said, in front of house, has so many different beautiful human beings. It's such a wonderful world to explore. Using that as a tool to be able to open the door and, and, and 
show issues that that affect people every day you know people every day um it is a wonderful thing and I'm really happy and I feel really really blessed that we were able to do that and able to do it in such a in such a wonderful way and I think we I think we I like to think that we've done that I really do yeah I'm very happy with what we've what we've achieved you know we're just showing I think naturally as human beings we're quite nosy aren't we we're quite nosy people as human beings we like to know about people what people are about so in this sense, we're really allowing the audience into the lives of, of people, but ordinary people. Um, yeah. Very, very, yeah, very, very happy with what we did. Yeah. And how have the conversations been? I mean, when, when you and I were talking last, you said to you, you, know, you go out to a restaurant now and you get people come up to you and and perhaps feel confident or comfortable expressing themselves in terms of you know, whether it's positive or whether it's something to do with their mental health um how how sort of what are those comments been like for you i mean what's been lovely is we've had you know we've had lots of people from the hospitality industry that have been super super supportive you know they know themselves that um I mean, I should imagine there's lots of chefs that watch Boiling Point and go mm, and pick up on, we've tried our best, you know, we, we did. We, we tried our best in terms of technical ability. I'm sure there's lots of chefs that will kind of look at it and go, oh, that's not quite right. Um, but in terms of showing the atmosphere and what working in the kitchen and working in front of the house is like, we've had lots of support from people within the industry. And lots of support from people within the industry that are very, very happy that we've sh shone a light on mental health because it is, it's prevalent, isn't it, in this industry? Really, really. And I think, obviously, me and you have spoken about it before. It's because of all of this pressure and what we were talking about before. Mm. Putting on a face, if you're front of house, putting on a face, even if you're on a bad day, if you're in a, you know, hyper tense situation in the kitchen and all you want to do is shout out, I'm having a shit day. And you can't do that because you've got to keep it running, all of these things. And then we've got people um, that don't work in hospitality that have come forward and, and are really supportive and saying, thank you for just, ra ra you know, raising that issue, especially recently since we did episode two on the self-harm. Um, mm. And beautiful. I feel so honoured and so blessed to have been able to have told that story because I've had beautiful messages of thanks and support of people that have either suffered from it themselves or know a family member or a friend that suffers or has suffered from it. Um, very recently, I've had somebody just say, thank you, this has opened up a conversation in our house that needed to be opened up. And that makes, that takes my breath away because that's incredible to be able to have um, the ability to, to, to help people to open up is huge. Mm. Take the stigma off by showing it on a screen and saying this happens to people talk about it let's talk about it let's open those lines of communication it was very very special um yeah very special well done for that i mean it's um has it been surprising for you the the volume of messages or the volume of um, perhaps awareness when it comes down to mental illness, specifically within hospitality, but also more generally, is, is that has that been a shock or was that kind of expected for you? 
Um, I think from a personal note, because I'm very aware of mental health, it wasn't specifically a shock for me. It was just opening up that door. For But for mm. other people in the team, they've been quite overwhelmed with the response in the sense that they didn't expect that amount of, of, of thank yous and support and, and appreciation and um yeah, it is. I mean, I'm saying that it wasn't a shock, but it's still overwhelming when I'm looking at messages of thanks and, and like I say, appreciation. It, it, I feel very blessed and very honoured to be in this very privileged position to have been able to have done that. Um, so thank you, whoever, whatever, for allowing us to be able to do that. Um, yeah, it's just opening the doors, isn't it? I'm, I'm a great believer in talking talk let's talk let's talk to each other express yourself tell each other how you're feeling find that one person that you can trust to talk to um yeah so hopefully it will continue to just open those lines of communication for people that find it difficult to express themselves yeah i think I think so. I mean, what would you say to any hospitality professional, irrespective of role? Because, you know, it's, you know, we often focus on front of house or back of house, but it's also the general management and it's the operations teams who get a, a, an awful lot of pressure from top and from below as well. So what would you say to someone who perhaps is thinking about opening a conversation but doesn't know how to go about doing that? There are, I think, I think, when you're struggling with something in your head, I think the moment you release that by talking to somebody, the pressure comes off you almost immediately. This is from personal experience I'm talking. I think when you're stuck in your own head and you're trying to answer questions to things you don't know the answer to because you're stuck in a bit of an irrational loop within your head, how can you answer a question with rationality when you're in an irrational place? doesn't make sense. That's never going to happen. I would always, always advocate just talk, making that step. Just making that's the bravest step, that first step, if you feel like you're not that kind of person that can open up. The first step to alleviating and finding some sort of um, feeling of serenity and peace and dealing with whatever it is you're going through is by talking to somebody, whether that is somebody that you know, that you feel that they're open enough to not be judgmental, because I think that's a lot of the time, that's why people don't open up about what they're going through or what they're feeling, because they think people are going to judge mm. be judgmental. Pick somebody that you know you can trust. Equally, speak to somebody that you don't know, such as yourselves, such as the Burnt Chef. There are people out there and organisations out there that are literally waiting to help. That is why they are there, waiting to help. Once you get that first bit of guidance, it, it lifts It lifts whatever's, whatever's on your mind and however you're feeling, you start to lift. And I think once you get that confidence to be able to, to talk openly, it, it starts flowing a little bit more readily. And with that freedom to talk and expression, the anxiety and whatever else it is that you're currently going through starts to dissipate or starts to lessen and dilute a little bit less and less because you're actively talking about it. And it's not just in your head anymore. 
Does that make sense? Have I made sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, fully it's very much um, relates to my personal experience. But yesterday I was chatting to two young gentlemen. And one of them asked a question, which was, how do I stop my mental health issues, my personal issues coming into the workplace? How do I just stop it? How do I put a break on? And then this other gentleman who who got involved in this conversation because he was sort of two years further on in his journey. He was like, the best thing that I ever did was I opened up a conversation and I started to unpack because I could not get out of that thought process in my own. I couldn't answer questions I didn't know the answers to until such time as I was able to use a sounding board. And whether that was journaling, whether that was the, in, in this gentleman's case, therapy. And he says, since then, I released that pressure. I wiped away. I'm rediscovering myself at the age of 44 years old, he was saying. And it just this, this wave of energy that was coming off of him. And the chap who asked the original question was like, how do I stop mental illness? Like just being a part of any part of my life, I don't want it to. Mm. He just suddenly went, oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize the benefits of actually having a conversation with someone could, could have. You're being... You're being kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself, man. Stop being hard on yourself. Be kind. Show yourself a bit of self-love and worth. And, you know, I need to look after my mental health. I need to look after my physical health. It's so, so important to do that. So important to do that. And there's help out there to be able to, you know, um, for people to do that. It's just like we say, it's making those first steps. The first steps are always the hardest, though, aren't they? Look at a baby when they're trying to walk. They fall over constantly. <laughs> First steps are always the hardest, no matter what you're trying to do. Yeah, very true. Very true. So Boiling Point is uh, four episodes in this current season. Uh, any plans for a potential season two? Let's hope. <laughs> We'd like to hope so. There's so many, as you as you know, there's lots of, there's so many characters that we've not even touched on in the series that you kind of have glimpses of when you think, oh, I want to know a little bit more about that character now. I want to know where their, you know, what their story is, where their journey is. So we've left that very much open in order to explore that should we be blessed to have a second series. Well, I think you've got a very... Um dedicated hospitality community so if it's ever have if the bbc ever put it to the vote then uh, let's know and you guys have got it good <laughs> yeah you know we're the third largest sector in the world so if we can't give you enough uh, enough weight to carry this through who can um but i wanted to thank you you know thank you to to yourself and to philip and Stephen and the rest of the cast who have done a fantastic job in i think fairly depicting some of the challenges and I don't mean that in a negative way you know hospitality as we said is a, a fantastic career choice it should be the profession of choice in schools if I'm quite honest yeah. but I think that it's done a very boiling point and has done a very good job of acknowledging that there are certain challenges and you know perhaps we should question the way that things have been done before and perhaps try and think of new ways of doing things in the same way that you as I said, you wouldn't expect as an Olympian to 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 repeat stressful conditions without having a massage and the right diet and the right rest and recovery period. So perhaps we need to look at that as a system. Um, any final takeaways from, from, from you? What would you like to see from hospitality moving forward 
when it comes to this particular subject matter. Are there any changes that you can see from sort well, of a, just, a, an outsider's perspective? From an outsider's perspective, I mean, uh, you know, I, I just want people that work in hospitality to feel that they've got um, those open channels to access, basically, should they be feeling in any which, you know, a, a negativity. And to find that work-life balance, I find a lot of people in hospitality struggle with the work-life balance. And I think I would be a huge advocate and actively encourage anybody that works in hospitality to find something that's completely the opposite of what you do at work. Um, and maybe meditate. It does work. <laughs> that would be my, be my advice, yeah. So just find that balance. Look after you. Be kind to yourself. Be selfish. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. What a brilliant, brilliant way to finish. Um, Hannah, thank you ever so much for joining me today. And um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully seeing more, more boiling point in the future. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Big kiss. Cheers. <laughs>